as an adult. I'm not sure if he won or not, but he hasn't texted me to say he did, so he probably didn't. But I did encourage him to take on the ways of Stephen Bradbury, that when the rest of the opposition falls over, to just take the chequered flag. So we'll, I'm not sure we'll hear in, in, in consequent weeks how that went. All right, so have you ever paused to think about how noisy our lives are? I mean, we just had a good flavour, right? I mean, you have kids, you think, oh my gosh, my life is so noisy. Not, not just with, with sound outside, but sound internally. You know, we receive, uh, the average Australian receives between four and 10,000 advertising messages per day. Per day. I have no idea how they work that out. But I reckon if you're on social media, you get even more. Um, and then if you are on social media, the average person spends, now this is average, right? The average person spends how long on Facebook? Have a guess. Per day, a day. An hour? Six. So this is the average 50 minutes. 50 minutes a day. So if anyone ever tells you, I just don't have time, just tell them to shut up social media and they'll have 50 minutes to spare now that means some some people wouldn't spend 50 minutes and some people would spend a lot more than 50 minutes um, um, and what the interesting thing with Facebook is or social media of, of most um, things is we are trading deep authentic relationships for knowing a little bit about everyone and it's actually the research says it's, it's um, changing the way we relate to people so we forget or lose um, the ability to have Small talk that leads to deeper talk because we're just um, focused on the, the bites. So we get the bite and we don't know what to do with it. So it's fascinating to see, to see the way noise, as it fills our entire world, is affecting the way we not only um, uh, um, struggle to find solitude in and quietness in, but the way we, we think, the way we relate to others, the experience we get. Mental illness is soaring and one of the factors of that, of depression and anxiety, is social media that everyone lives their life in comparison to other people. Now, I'm not saying social media is bad. Social media is a very powerful thing. But like all good things, too much of it can actually be detrimental. But I don't want to talk about social media today. I want to talk about being quiet, being solitude, being, being, um, finding silence, finding replenishment in the quietness. And hopefully um, it will challenge all of us. Because all of us live busy lives in certain things. And I, and I want us to kind of break it open. So Blaise Pascal, uh, who was a theologian, a mathematician, a philosopher many, many years ago, um, he uh, wrote a lot of things to um, speak into the Christian faith. He was a Christian. And he, um, he said this, All of men's miseries derive from not being able to sit in a quiet room alone. So all of your miseries derive from the fact that you can't be quiet in a room by yourself stop. Now, this was a long time ago, right? This was before we have all the noise that I've just mentioned of what our lives are for. So there was some um, uh, psychologist at Harvard University by the name of Timothy Wilson who sought to put this to practice. He sought to see if this was actually, there was much truth in this. And so they gathered a bunch of volunteers and they said, what we need you to do is spend 15 minutes in this room by yourself with no other stimuli, just 15 minutes there by yourself. But if that's too difficult, if you get to the three-minute mark or the seven-minute mark or the ten-minute mark and you can't handle it, there is a button to press. But if you press the button, you will get an electric shock. So the experiment will be over. You'll be rescued from time by yourself. But if you hit the button, you'll get an electric shock. And so they did this. 
and they did all the, pushed all these people through, 20% of participants hit the red button. 20% of people opted to get electric shocked over spending time by themselves. Right? So they, they then interviewed everybody who did it. And the overwhelming response of everybody who went through this experiment was they felt completely miserable by the time that 15 minutes was up. They did concluded that people don't like being away from the noise because they have to face things that the noise holds at a distance, that the noise sort of protects them from. They didn't want to face themselves. It was too confronting to be there with no stimuli, no nothing to sit and to be. And you know, the gospel would agree. The gospel would say to honestly confront ourselves is, is at times a terrifying thing. If we were able to look at ourselves the same way God can see us, but doesn't choose to look at us, but can see us. Man, that's a confronting thing. Think of all your, your, your wrongs, all the things you've done, all the sins, all that. And if you were to actually face all of that, Gosh, who would want to do that? A lot for the electric shock. Thanks. That's why God says, I'll meet you in the solitude. I'll meet you in the quiet. In fact, that's where I want to meet you. Because I'm speaking to you all the time, but there's too much noise and you're just not hearing what I'm saying. I said, get away from that noise. And you don't have to be fearful of that. You're saved. You're saved from all those things that you might be fearful of. You can get away and I will meet you in the solitude. I'll meet you. In the silence, getting away from the noise is an invitation from Jesus to meet with him. And when Jesus did on the cross for us, was he traded what we perceive our worth to be to what he knows our worth to be. So when it comes to facing who we are, we face who God has given us. We face the newness of ourselves. We have nothing to be fearful of. In fact, solitude should be something we pursue and run toward because there we meet with God. We sit down with Christ. We've been ministered to by the Holy Spirit. We are loved and we are known and we are restored by God. But how easy is it to excuse ourselves from that invitation? It's, it's literally like a Facebook invite. You know when you get a Facebook invite to an event and you don't treat it like a proper invite. You treat it like, a, oh yeah, that's something I could get to when I get around. Well, that's the nature of the beast, right? We treat Jesus the same way. He invites us into being with him and to be in solitude with him and prayer and living in him. And we go, oh, I should get to that. Yeah, that'd be a good thing to do. Uh, I'll just see if I'm free there or, or there or if it comes to mind. And, and as a result, we can blame everything. We can go, oh, well, you've heard how many advertising messages I get. I'm distracted. My attention span is useless. I can't spend any time with God. I, I, I live in a, a, a world where I'm so dependent on my phone that I, I don't like it. But, but that's what I'm drawn into. I'm drawn. It's very difficult to have time away from those things. We can blame our busy lifestyles, our crazy families, our energy levels, our hectic work demands. But we're dealing with the same thing that every generation that has ever lived has dealt with. Yeah, it's a different form. It's a different flavour. It might be another notch higher on the volume level. But the question we have to answer is how do we withdraw from the noise to be with God? How do we each do that? How do we take it seriously? So important is the place of solitude and silence and, and retreat and quiet that it was actually the foundation of Jesus' ministry. If you read the, the first couple of chapters um, in any of the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus started, um, he started his ministry, uh, or just before his ministry started, do you know what happened to him? A couple of significant things. 
What happened? Fasted. He went into the wilderness. He went where there was nobody else. So Matthew 4, 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Luke says in the Greek that Jesus was driven out by the Spirit. I like that. It's, it's like, oh, it wasn't just all Jesus' will. The Spirit is like, get out then now. The Spirit of God compelled Jesus to flee from all the noise to discover something in the wilderness that he couldn't find anywhere else. So how long since you visited the wilderness? How long? Not necessarily the actual wilderness. I mean, good on you. If you've gone to the bush, that's epic. And uh, I just come, you've gone camping recently, that's fantastic. I hope that part of that experience was ah, no noise, some solitude. Here's where God is. But how long since we've taken seriously, I need to bask in solitude? How do we do that? See, we've fallen asleep because of the humdrum of the cultural demands and we've slept through meeting with God. It's like we hit the snooze button. I know I should do that, but in later, in a minute. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. Snooze, snooze, snooze. See, Jesus comes out of the wilderness 40 days by himself. Spiritual warfare comes out of that, is tended to by the angels. He recovers and he's thrust into the noise. He jumps straight into the noise. His first challenge in Luke is to preach. So he goes to the synagogue. He preaches the shortest but most powerful sermon of all time. Just quotes Isaiah and sits down. And everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. Wish I could do that. Then he, then he comes out of that. He heals a demon-possessed man. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever been in that situation. But it's quite stressful, right, when you're confronted. So, so he's having a big day. And then he goes and helps Simon's, uh, Simon's mother-in-law who has a life-threatening fever. So he goes and heals her. And then, then it says, it's all the same day. It says, uh, at sunset, the crowds start coming to him and bringing to him their sick. And those who um, are in need of healing and those who are possessed. And he's at sunset, the day is done. And that's when his work continues on and the crowds are swarming and swarming. In Luke 4, still in Luke 4, it says at daybreak the next day, Jesus went out to a solitary place. He'd just been in the desert for 40 days. And what does he do? He goes straight back to a solitary place. And you just imagine this, ah, finally God, alone with you, free from this other stuff. Right from the start of Jesus' ministry, he sought escape from the noise. He sought to turn down the volume so he could hear God's voice. Didn't last long. Verse 43, next verse. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they hunted him down in his solitary place. They tried to keep him from leaving them and going to a different place. So they noticed Jesus had left. They hunted him down in his solitary place and they tried to remove him from that back to their needs. You ever feel hunted down by things when you're in your solitary place? And you see, they like, oh, I finally got some time and, oh man, I'm worried about that. This relationship is messy, it's not working, that's just, I, I feel anxious about this situation. Where am I get, how am I going to get more money? How does that work out? What am I supposed to do with my life? We... It's almost like these things hunt us down in our solitary places. That's what happens. 
is what happens, happened to Jesus. So what does Jesus say? Jesus hits it head on. He stops them dead in their tracks and he iterate, reiterates for them what's been renewed to him in his solitary time. So he's had a solitary time. They come and invade that. And he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So he moved from that place and went around. Time away from the noise, alone with God, refocuses us on what God wants us to be refocused on. In the solitude and silence, Jesus' purpose was renewed to him. Without it, his purpose, his reason for existing was dictated by everybody else. He was just at the beck and call of everybody else. So then the next chapter happens. The story continues on. He's then preaching in front of a large crowd. They're pressing in on him. He's like, it's going well. Get the boat. Like, and so the guys that were there are like, us? Okay. So he jumps on this boat. And they launch the boat out. And he starts to preach to them. And um, what we see in Matthew is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So he's preaching to them from this boat. And it was going so well that those guys who grabbed the boat, he's like, do you want to follow me? And they went, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. So it was the calling of his first disciples happens right at this moment. Um, and then he goes into the neighboring towns um, as a result of this. And a man comes to him with leprosy. So if you can picture this, big crowds and a man with leprosy walks, everybody else scatters and flees. They don't want to be anywhere near this man that's rejected from society. He comes, he falls at Jesus' feet and Jesus heals him. Right there in front of everyone. Verse 15 of chapter 5 says, Yet the news about him spread all the more. Of course it did. They didn't even have social media. And everybody knew what was happening. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Jesus was popular and everybody wanted something from him. But he doesn't let that be what he feeds on. He doesn't let any of the stuff that's happening in his work, in his life, in his relationships, in his success... Feed him. He doesn't let others determine who he's going to become. And then we read something absolutely astonishing. Verse five, verse chapter 5, verse 16 of Luke says this. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It's all part of the same story. I've just done a survey of the, like, the first couple of chapters of, of Luke. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's why I love, I've been taking some photos recently, I love, I love doing that. Because there's nobody else there. It's like, oh, I can be away. And the other night, it was, I don't know what night it was, was up on Burley Hill and did a long exposure. Of about 40 minutes, I'm like, what do I do now? Oh, I just sit with God. So I just sat down and I, I said, God, like, search me, talk to me, meet with me. Like, this time is, is yours. And, and as I was sitting there on Burley Hill, I had this, this really strong impression from God. And God, this, this, this impression uh, was this sort of, it wasn't an audible voice, but, but it was like, oh, that is God speaking. And, the, and the, the question was this, what if you were to play offense in Burley and not defense? That, that, that question is driving me a little bit berserk right about now. What if you, village, me, us, were to play offense in Burley and not defense? Now, I, I don't want to speak on that today. But that comes out of this solitude with God. See, when I'm with God, I find myself going, oh, I need to pray for those people who I love, who don't know Jesus. And so I'm praying for them. And I'm praying for you guys and the various needs that are part of our community. 
I'm asking God to just meet me where I am and, and, and heal and restore and build up and, and make me wiser and, and help me in those different ways. It's like sitting in his presence. And it's the only place we can truly be repaired. And it's not about being on a hill in Berlin. It's got nothing to do with that. What, what your solitude in the space looks like is, is whatever it looks like. But it's when we deliberately step aside from ourselves and we step into God's realm. We say, okay, God, I've just put the pause button on everything else and I'm just going to be with you. And I've learned that I need to fight to make it happen. I need to fight to make it happen. It's been, it's, it's been my case for forever. It, it never just seems easy. It never seems like, oh, great. I could easily spend this time with God. I, I've got to fight to make it happen. I'm, I'm, I'm never regret the action of doing that. But Jesus, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If we look at that verse, there's not many words in it, but it starts with that word but. It's really interesting. But changes the direction of a story. The story goes along and then there's a but. It's like this. We're going in a different direction. And so when we withdraw, it changes the direction of our story. When we withdraw with God, it changes the direction of our story. It creates space for God to meet with us. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And Jesus did it often. It wasn't just a one-off, really stressful day, but a crazy run at, at ministry and life. And all right, I need a time out. This was a regular, often practice. It was a rhythm that Jesus lived. It was a rhythm that was so important that the, the biblical writers want us to understand the same rhythm, to know the same rhythm, to realize that we're not as busy as Jesus was. And yet we still can find replenishment in getting away from all the crazy stuff. Often, often, when it seems like things are stealing from us, what God has given us to us, often withdraw to lonely places and pray. So when do you withdraw? What does your withdrawal look like? I've got a friend who um, on Friday nights, he comes in from work and he and his wife grab their phones and they turn their phone off and they leave it off till Sunday morning. They're mad. That's taking this stuff really seriously. Wow, that's challenging. I, I've, I've got other friends who, um, who, who go, I'm going to have a fast from social media. I did this last year. I did a month off social media. It was so replenishing. It was so good. I had one person. See, we go, well, but what, what will happen? Good things happen. Nothing bad happens. One person, like I told you guys that I wasn't doing it because that, that was important for communication. But one person outside of our, our group said, um, was, was worried that I'd friend, unfriended them and blocked them because I'd just vanished and they couldn't find me. So they called me. I'm like, no, 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 no. What? No. And so we, we had a good chat. Actually, you know, yeah, deepened the relationship for a real conversation. So maybe, maybe that's something you have to do. But don't announce it to everyone. Don't make it a big, don't increase the volume. Guess what I'm going to do? No, no, just do it. If there's a particular person or whatever that you need to tell, somebody did, from our team did it this week, and they texted me and said, I'm off Facebook for another, for an extended period of time. If, you, if there's stuff I need to know, can you text me or let me know what it is? Absolutely. There's heaps of research says that your mental health will improve significantly if you take just 15 minutes a day to sit by yourself. It's not Christian research, it's secular research. Sit by yourself in the quiet, your creativity sharpens, your problem-solving ability increases, your heart rate slows, your inner world calms. But 
So much more wonderful, incredible things take place when we realize I get to pray as well. This isn't just a withdrawing from everything. This is withdrawing to God. I get to meet with my maker. He gets to put me back together again. He gets to restore me and love me and tend to me. Don't shortchange yourself by fighting for solitude and forgetting to pray. It'd be the biggest rip-off you have. Use that time to meet with God. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus sought out the lonely places. He sought out the wilderness. He sought out places free of distraction that without the presence of God meeting him there would have felt very empty and very alone. So he went with this to these places where he's like, the desert, right, was not a pretty place. It wasn't a place you ever went. And yet he withdrew there because he knew God would meet him there. And so, so, so how do we do that? In the NIV, uh, it says lonely places. In the English Standard Version, it says desolate places. And the New Living Translation says wilderness. The Bible is littered with stories of God meeting people in the wilderness and the desolate places and the lonely places and bringing amazing change to their lives and their circumstance. Imparting things to them that were so significant to the place that they're in, speaking words of hope and encouragement and peace. The wilderness is this beautiful place of spiritual replenishment which we have been taught to fear and run away from. Stay in the noise, it's safe. Yet we often, when I think about wilderness, you think, oh, I've had a wilderness experience. Like when, when things went really bad, when things were really tough, when I, when I was really stressed or felt attacked or had nothing left or everything was falling apart, I had this wilderness experience and God met me there. And here's the fascinating thing. Jesus goes and seeks the wilderness. He doesn't wait for it to come to him. He goes and seeks it and therefore he avoids it ever coming upon him because he's like, I'm comfortable in the wilderness because that's where I meet God. So we're going to do that now. For the next hour, you're going to sit there in silence and I'm going to look at you awkwardly. I was thinking about this today. When I was a kid at school, I... My friends were always noisy and I always got blamed. And I had to write on the blackboard, silence is golden. So that, I think that's what put me off silence for forever. It's like, oh, we're not gonna, we are going to practice. We're not going to do what I just said. Um, all right, so I would like to invite you from this moment for the next 15 plus my um, instruction not to talk to anyone. Now, Liv, you, you can be excused with, with Charlie, but that's it. No, talking to Chris. No, 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 that's not. Um, and uh, um, I want us to, um, to go and find somewhere on the property. So you might want to sit on the grass out there. You might want to sit in your car. You might want to stay here. I dissuade you from going upstairs because it might not be the most effective time we've got. Um, you can go wherever you need to go um, and spend 15 minutes in solitude. 15 minutes. It's this gift we have. Nobody else is wanting anything from you. Don't look at your phone. Don't, it, like, if you have to turn your phone off or put it on flight mode or whatever, do that. And you will notice there'll be a heap of noise around you. You'll become really... But solitude is about the noise that's within. It's not the noise that's out there. So we can be very... We can find places of solitude in very noisy places because it's what it's the noise that rages in us. And if you're thinking, all right, but how do I survive 15 minutes? Like, that is for 
ever, especially if you're an extrovert, you're like, that's the worst, this is the worst day at church ever. So, past, present, future. That's all you need to remember, past, present, future. What has God done for you previously that you want to say thanks for, that you want to remember, that you want to enjoy? You can spend your time thinking on that. And, or, you can spend your time, what is God saying to me right now? The present, what is God wanting to speak to me about my present right now? Or future, God, what is it that I need you to do in my future or the future others? So if you're thinking, all right, what do I spend my time to speak? Like past, present, future with God. And in 15 minutes, we'll come back here. If you see me wandering around, that means um, it was well and truly over 15 minutes. Um, but spend some time by yourselves, um, wherever's comfortable. And in 15 minutes, we'll, we'll come back and we'll conclude our time together. We use this as the invitation is from Jesus to meet with you and to, to love you and to restore you, to build you up. Um, and, and let's try that for uh, 15 minutes.